You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. All right, welcome to Why We Do What We Do. I'll be your host, Abraham. And I'm Shane. And today we are talking about something that maybe seems kind of mundane and sort of day-to-day-ish, but is actually, it's kind of weird, right? Yeah, it's very strange. Like, when you really think about it, it's a very strange thing that we do as human beings. Yeah, there's a couple strange traditions that when, even though it's so common, that we don't really give it a lot of thought. And this is one of those where everybody sort of does it. But then you think about why, what purpose really does this serve? How did this ever get sort of selected for culturally or otherwise? And I remember exactly why it occurred to me, but I remember just thinking like, man, this is kind of a weird thing that we do. I wonder, like, we should really dig into this and and explore it. And I've heard some theories that we'll discuss today that people have proposed as the reason that we do this. And I don't even know if we've said what we're talking about. Have we said it yet? I don't think we have yet. Oh, well, PSA, everybody, we are going to be doing a little bit of talking about sex things. Mm -hmm. This is in line with sort of a suite of topics that we have done and will be doing very soon. (laughs) And actually, just right after we recorded our last one, I think, this one, the last one I think was on masturbation, and now we're talking about kissing, and we have Mm -hmm. more sort of in that line. So this was completely coincidental, (laughs) was not planned that way, but they kind of all hang together thematically i guess in a way but yeah talking about kissing yeah there's a through line over our next couple episodes so that's kind of fun yeah <laughs> you know as you were saying that i was thinking we could call this episode why we smooch why we smooch <laughs> there you go so, i just think of like there's just so many funny funny words that have to do with kissing right like smooching is a, it's just a funny word like when you say it too it feels funny in your mouth so i agree and i also realized we didn't I didn't prepare for a lot of sort of pop culture references to the idea of kissing, but we should try and pepper them through this discussion as we go through it. Yeah. And so the question we're asking is, why do we do this strange thing we call kissing? And I mean, Shane and I kiss because we're friends. That's what friends do. That's what friends do. <laughs> <laughs> but, but where did this tradition come from? And what is it? <laughs> Let's start with defining it a little bit. You know, I think for most of us who do kiss... Or maybe have witnessed a kiss. We probably know what it is. But essentially, for the purposes of this episode, a kiss is pressing one's lips to another person or to objects, like kissing the Blarney Stone. Wow, that was I was going to bring that up. That was a deep cut. Nice job. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things. We're linked inexplicably. That's right. Just so. across the distances, we, <laughs> we found each other. <laughs> it's because we kiss as friends. That's right. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And Shane, did you know that the scientific study of kissing has a name and that that it exists? I, I didn't actually. So until I was reading the notes, I was like, there's a whole thing about this, which is not surprising, but it's it's interesting to think that there is a thing. Yeah. And so apparently the scientific study of kissing is called philomatology. Phil like Dr. Phil, PH. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And therefore someone who studies kissing is called a philomatologist which is cool. Yeah. I mean, it tracks right with other scientific fields. I guess my question would be, do you get a degree in this? Like, do you get a master's (laughs) degree in kissing or like, what is like, where does that start? 
man, can you imagine <laughs> as your pickup line? It's like, so got my master's degree in kissing. <laughs> <laughs> I got a PhD in kissing. No one's going to believe you. <laughs> maybe that's part of the program. Like, maybe that's why we don't hear because that, that's what people will say. It's like, no one will know. No one will ever know because no one will believe a word you say. I have the question of like, you know, when I think about like growing up, like when you decide that you want a career, is there somebody out there that goes, I really want to know what this is all about? <laughs> right. They figured it out while in college. <laughs> yeah, right? But like, you'd be like, I'm changing my major. And then, you know, they find this whole, I mean, are there degree programs? Are there seminal works? Like, are there books out there that are dedicated to kissing? Like, you know, when we have the science of organisms, you know, or like the behavior of organisms and all that stuff. Like, we have all these books, but is there like a kissing repository right. of like seminal works? I mean, it seems like there has to be something if there's a scientific study of it. There's got to be. I wonder, though, I'm trying to think, like, is this an elective at, like, Harvard or is there, like, a, a major program in a college? <laughs> it just occurred to me of doing, like, online school where you're studying kissing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just called porn. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah that, I mean, there's plenty of case studies, I guess, but maybe some good exemplars and bad exemplars. So. Obviously, because we're going to get into the topic, it's an important topic when we start understanding human behavior. So, right. you know, we're kind of like making jokes about this, but the truth is like there's some benefit to this. There's some good stuff that goes along with this, we think. I suppose it probably wouldn't sound super weird if you're like, oh, I'm a philomatologist and I, I study osculating which is the scientific name of kissing. <laughs> so people are going to be like, wow, that sounds really cool and official. That's like people who study chewing would be, they, they like they study mastication. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So, is that something that people study? Well, speech pathologists definitely, oh, they, some of them study chew and swallow studies. Like So like that is a whole thing. I worked with a kid who could, he had a deficit in mastication because he couldn't chew food. He could only eat soft foods. I have heard of this. Isn't the town in the the story cloudy with a chance of meatballs called Chew and Swallow? I think it's called Swallow Falls. Oh, okay. It might be called Chew and Swallow. There might be something there, but that movie's fantastic. Yeah, it's fun. The book was fun. Movie is fun. All good things. Anyway, so osculating. Actually, where I found that this shows up the most, interestingly, is in geometry. And it really is used to describe the point at which two curved surfaces sort of touch. And it's because they're they think of it as sort of kissing. And so if you were to... Think about with a smooth surface, you don't have any flat edges, and therefore the point at which a touch is going to be just one point. And so that's, I think, why they are looking, why they call it osculating or something of maybe it's called osculation at that point. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. One of the big questions that I ran into that did occur to me, but also showed up a lot in doing the research for this is people ask, is kissing something that we do instinctually or is it a learned behavior? I was a little surprised by this question just because it seems too complicated to be like a reflex that's totally instinctual, you know? Right. We don't do a lot of super complicated things that are completely unlearned. I guess when you start looking at it from the social piece, there is like a social aspect to this, right? It does require other people and it does require like, you know, there are different forms and there's a lot of variation with it. So there's probably a piece that has like a probably naturally occurring components related to it. But there's also this idea of like, there are so many variations across the species that we couldn't call it solely instinctual. And I think that's kind of a, a fun way to look at this. It's like, it is really nature and nurture together. Yeah. And one place that people point to to give an example of why this looks like it's maybe quote-unquote instinctual or natural is the fact that animals do similar behaviors. And people have obviously observed this in a lot of their pets and other things, but for example, they'll rub their noses together. A common one is they'll lick each other. 
they'll do this nuzzling thing. Apparently, elephants put their trunks inside one another's mouths. If you Google it, it's actually not as weird as it sounds. It kind of is cute because they sort of wrap their trunks around each other and it's kind of cute looking. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, there are animals that press their lips together, such as, for example, bonobos is a common one that's pointed to. (laughs) And have you seen those bonobos pucker up? They can get it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I was thinking about the elephants putting the trunk in each other's mouths. And like for me and my gag reflex is so bad that even if it like crossed the threshold of my teeth, I would start gagging right then. So like there's no way if that was something that humans did, I would never survive. Put our noses in each other's mouths. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Immediately. Like that's like I couldn't I can't do it. So I gag at like pumpkin innards. So, you know, I couldn't imagine that. Yeah. So with bonobos in particular in observations of bonobos they've found that kissing can occur to help form social bonds to help repair damaged relationships or to improve relationships to comfort one another or just because there might be no obvious reason that can be observed in that observation period so there's a lot of different reasons why they might be doing this yeah and i think a lot of the things that they even said as as far as it forming social bonds and whatnot that doesn't seem particularly obvious to me i think they observed this kissing behavior and then said this looks like this is what they're doing and then simply decided that that was the case and that's fine but they do seem to do it for a lot of different reasons which i think is the important factor here is that it's not just romantic it's not just self-stimulatory it's not even necessarily practical all the time there seem to be a lot of various reasons which is kind of interesting i was interested in trying to learn what if anything, we could discern about the timeline of the history of kissing and see, was there a point at which humans discovered they like pressing mouths to one another? Yeah. And it's fairly murky. Obviously, we can only go back about as far as any kind of recorded data goes. And that seems to actually be about as far back as we have, at least in terms of written text. But I've also saw some sources that alluded to images that looked like potentially kissing although it wasn't 100% sure that that's what was going on. So we'll just talk through the history of this a bit. What we've kind of found is basically throughout all of human history, so we we have some first evidence found in some written records roughly about 3,500 years ago. So we've got a pretty good history of kissing from that period of time moving forward. You know, there's a pretty good record now of people kissing. You see that kind of on social media and stuff. So there's a pretty good standard record of that. But I mean, 3,500 years ago, we are still seeing that. And what some historians believe is that the Greeks had learned it from the Indian Kama Sutra. So it's kind of derived from that. And even before that, I saw the suggestion that there was kissing among the ranks of Persians within the army and that the kind of kiss depended on the rank or like the rank of one person to another depended on where they kissed them. And so, for example, and this is not the Persians, but in Rome, depending on one's rank, they were only allowed to kiss the Roman emperor in certain places on his body with the highest ranks being able to kiss him on his cheek and lowest ranks kissing his feet. So I was wondering, like, where do middle rank people kiss like i feel like that would be a really tough like that i guess that would be maybe incentive to move up ranks <laughs> yeah say what's what's halfway between your cheeks and your feet <laughs> <laughs> it's like nope nope i do not want to be a one-star general move me up yeah or move me down, move me down. don't leave me there yeah, yeah. <laughs> just not in the middle please there's not a lot of retention rate in that at that rank yeah, I'll take a knee or an elbow or maybe a belly button, but yeah, <laughs> let's not hang out in the middle. Well, think about that for a second. Could you imagine being like at the rank where you're kissing the belly button? <laughs> and what if there's a specific type of kissing at that rank? Like, what if it's raspberries? Like, what if it's not like a kiss? Like, you're like, <laughs> like you just survived this major 
Greco-Roman War. Like, you've come back, and then you have to give the Emperor a raspberry. I, this sounds like such a good skit. I'm trying to imagine this on, like, Gladiator. He's like, <laughs> you have become a lieutenant. You may now raspberry my belly. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then imagine him going like, are you not entertained? <laughs> are you not sufficiently raspberried? You've been raspberried. How are you not entertained? So, another thing that I found that was really interesting, I thought, is have you heard the term sealed with a kiss? I have heard that, yeah. So apparently this was actually a legally binding thing where people who were illiterate, they would just put an X where they were supposed to sign and then they would kiss the X to prove their sincerity. And so that's where the term sealed with a kiss came from. And if people haven't heard that term, it's often used today to refer to something that is sent with love and care and sincerity is maybe the way to put it. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's cool. I wonder how that would be contested today, like in a court of law. That's not my kiss, sir. <laughs> nope, he forged my kiss. I need you to come over here and kiss this cheek so I can compare it to the one in the letter. <laughs> nope, different stamps. We're not friends. We don't do that kissing. <laughs> so one of the things we want to talk about, too, is this idea of a holy kiss, right? So in ancient Christian mythology, a holy kiss would transfer one spirit. So it wasn't just about legal doctrine. It was a transference of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I found a whole thing about the history of this in the Catholic tradition, I believe is where part of this existed. And they went from kissing either each other or maybe people that were part of the church to, I'm wondering if they got sick or if people were getting too grossed out by that. And instead they started then kissing like a, a piece of wood that was supposed to be symbolic. And then I think they just did like a kiss on their hand. And then I think that they, because then they were sharing a piece of wood. So that was a problem. And then I think that they <laughs> just did like a kiss on their own hand. And then I think the church was just like, no kissing bad out. And I think it just went away, but it was this whole, whole thing that went on that there's probably a deep rabbit hole to go down on that. That would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, you kind of see that here with this idea of romantic kissing that seemed to disappear, right? That's a good point. That's a good segue. Yeah. The records of it, for whatever reason, there were not a lot of people talking about kissing or describing kissing like a few hundred years after the fall of the Roman Empire. Hmm. Truly the Dark Ages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe that's what it was. Well, I don't know. Because I mean, maybe it was a good thing that people weren't kissing around them because, you know, the whole plague thing was probably a problem. I don't know if those are on the same time, but that's, that I don't know. would definitely be a problem. I've never been much of a historian. That's why I dropped out of my <laughs> history classes. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, Rome died and romance died with it. And, <laughs> and here we are. We finally found it. Now we've got Tinder. That's, <laughs> problem solved. That's right. Romance was dead until Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God the, for Tinder. So the big question then is why do we do this thing? We sort of talked about the history a little bit and there isn't a straightforward answer. And for anyone who listened to our three year anniversary episode, which hurrah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we made it three years. We talked about how to frame this as under what conditions instead of why, but yeah. So here are some hypotheses in terms of why people do this kissing thing. So for hypothesis one of our exploration of kissing, one of the reasons that it could be occurring is because it's passed down through generations. Mothers fed their children, masticated food when they were infants, and then continued to press their lips to them to comfort them when they were older. And actually it turned into various forms of the same gesture, one of which is sexual in nature. So that begs the question, Freud was right? (laughs) That seems to be what that would suggest. (laughs) However, there are some things about this to consider that maybe make that hypothesis less strong. 
the fact that this that kissing is in fact a cultural thing and that the specific form that we think of as kissing is also uniquely taught inside of a specific culture so that it can look different and therefore the versions of it are not going to be necessarily similar and you might even look at that and argue well they're still doing something that's like kissing so therefore it's it is part of this tradition of feeding one's infants however there are some cultures today that still actually practice this kiss feeding thing but they don't simultaneously engage in like social romantic kissing Hmm. so that hypothesis starts to fall apart a little bit with both of those facts plus apparently not every culture in the world has a form of romantic kissing at all most of them do so there was a survey that found that 90 percent of cultures in the world do have like a kissing thing but the reverse of that of course is that that means that 10 percent of them don't right There was actually a 2015 study that found that only 45% of North American cultures kiss romantically, which, what? Yeah. But also, that explains Mike Pence. (laughs) How he got elected? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it just explains him as a person. Okay. (laughs) I didn't look too deep into this study, so I don't know how they defined romantically, because that seems like a ridiculously high number of people who then don't kiss romantically like what are your other options is it kiss aggressively and i guess maybe that just goes back to the idea of like maybe the definition or the experience or whatever that looks like i mean there's just a lot to unpack within that particular statistic and i suppose there's of course as you were mentioning with mike pence there's no kissing at all that's what i'm saying separate beds right yeah (laughs) let's push the twin beds together (laughs) oh oh boy that's that's our political bent for the day yeah <laughs> who else we can throw under the asexual bus i suppose yeah i'm sure that there's somebody out there actually to that point I, I suppose it is fair to point out that there are people who consider themselves asexual who don't do kissing at all and we don't want to criticize them or, or ostracize them for not engaging in this cultural practice which again is pretty weird thing that we do yeah i mean kissing in itself is weird so if you're yes. not kissing That makes sense because kissing is strange and that 45% seems like a lot given that we do know that there are probably populations that don't as far as like maybe ability, you know, like I said, I think of like some of the individuals that I work with in a, like a special needs population that definitely do not engage with that, but also people who identify as asexual won't, and that's perfectly okay. We're not trying to shame anybody into, to kissing somebody like don't, I, we hope that's not coming across like that. Maybe they also surveyed a whole bunch of like really young kids and they, they're like, no, I don't kiss romantically. Mm-hmm. And then they're like only 45% of people do. Or people <laughs> who are like super literal, like I don't kiss romantically. I don't even know who they are. <laughs> exactly. Who's that romantically person? Romantically who? I don't want any part of that. (laughs) All right. So that was hypothesis one. Yeah. This whole thing of we, it sort of passed on with the the food masticating thing and then it's just sort of passed down from that. But hypothesis two. Yes. Mate selection. So within this one, we unconsciously choose pheromones with genetic and immunity different from our own. So we try to pick partners based on what's going to benefit the species. Yeah, and there was this other study that informs this, which was that you've probably heard about this one. And again, I didn't go on a deep dive on this. It was mentioned in a lot of the things that I was reading. But the whole idea was that they would give women these like shirts or something worn by men. And what they found was that women tend to prefer the smell of shirts that had a genetic I'm trying to make sure I said this correctly. It was like 
it implied that their immune system was complementary to theirs, which meant that it was different and supplemented the parts of their immune system that they didn't have, implying that they would be a good match genetically to like maximize their offspring or something. And so that's sort of the idea potentially is that we unconsciously prefer kissing people who are a better match for us. Although there are certainly some people who like kissing people who don't like kissing them back. So I'm not sure how that one works. And I think that that also means that we do a lot to mask and change the smell of our breaths. And that ultimately breath mints are responsible for the downfall of mankind (laughs) by allowing those with poor genetic traits to trick the senses of their mates until allowing them to reproduce. Oh, double mint. (laughs) Listerine. (laughs) Listerine, What have you done? (laughs) Listerine is our Skynet. (laughs) Jeez. So then there's hypothesis three, right? It just feels good, okay? So our lips and tongues are, neurologically speaking, one of the more sensitive parts of our body. So stimulation feels good, and we seek it out. Another part of our body absolutely packed with neurons for sensation is our genitals. So it kind of all makes sense as far as just a very simple explanation for why this might occur. Yeah, have you seen that like image of the homunculus that sort of represents a person, what they look like? If the amount of sensitive neurons packed into their part of the body was the size was like represented proportionally. Uh, no, I've never seen that. Okay. There's this weird cartoon image. I, I might try and find it and put it in the show notes, but essentially like it's a person, but the the parts of that person's body are scaled to size based on how many sensitive neurons are in that part of the body. So the lips is just gigantic yeah. on this person. And then so are their genitals are just huge. <laughs> and they've <laughs> got these sense. really big hands as well, but then they're like their back and their chest are all really small because we don't have that many neurons packed into our torso. Interesting stuff. Yeah. And actually, I mean, this one obviously pretty straightforward and I think I can certainly get on board with at least one of the reasons that we do kissing is because it feels good. Yeah. Unless there's the whole aggressive kissing thing we talked about probably doesn't. Right. Which kind of maybe bleeds into uh, hypothesis four a little bit. Yeah. Which is the idea that it's sort of like a form of grooming, sort of social grooming and not like grooming, like grooming you for a job position or grooming your pet, but grooming like, you know, just, (laughs) taking care of someone sort of, you know, people like to braid each other's hair and give each other massages and just be touching and that sort of thing. That kissing is sort of like that. It's that this is related to that idea of social bond or like what what's the thing that the, the monkeys do where they like pick like fleas off of each other or something or ticks. I forget exactly what that's called, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's called nitpicking. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it might actually be. I don't know. <laughs> it might be. But yeah, the whole idea that it's just like a form of that grooming. Yeah. And then there's hypothesis five, which is that it's a replacement for penetrating intercourse. And this is actually particularly relevant for youth or people beginning in relationships. We know some of the studies on abstinence training and all that aren't really super effective, but it is something that might come up and have become a replacement for maybe the situations where the social contingencies around intercourse were a little bit more rigid and a little bit more people who would engage in premarital intercourse were chastised a little bit more. So that might be kind of a place where it started to kind of maybe pick up in the zeitgeist of human behavior. Yeah, relatively low stakes way of smashing your body into someone else's body and vice versa. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you're just putting someone's tongue in your mouth and putting your tongue in their mouth. It's not that weird. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't sound weird at all when you say it like that. (laughs) Or just pressing your food holes together as they say in the good place. (laughs) 
either this episode's going to bring down the entire podcast or it's just going to ruin kissing for humanity. Some people might really enjoy it and want to kiss even more. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's fine. Everybody's got their thing. I'm not trying to ruin it for you, but, you know, I'm sorry if I did. <laughs> Our thing is, let's bring reality to the forefront. That's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to be, we're just realists. So there are different types of kissing, especially across different cultures, but you know, wherever you look, people use it in different ways. And so kissing is used to demonstrate affection, as we have described. Kissing can also be used to demonstrate respect, which I mentioned with the like kissing the emperor sort of thing. It can also be used to represent friendship and oftentimes can be used to represent peace. So I could live in a world where we all go around kissing each other for peace. I think I would tolerate that for sure. Although, I guess in the height of the COVID-19, we should not be promoting promiscuous kissing at all. Yeah, maybe we should have started the episode with, hey, right now, probably don't kiss as many people as you can. Yeah, really stick to the one or two. Yeah, limit (laughs) it where you can right now. That's right. If all else fails, go back to kissing that wooden stick. (laughs) Your own wooden stick. Don't kiss somebody else's wooden stick. Yeah, get your own. Let's kind of get into this a little bit more as far as like what it actually is. And so when we talk about romantic kissing, there's not really a right way to do it. It's simply partner preference. And I think that's going to be really important as we start talking about kissing and just sexual health in general. It's really about preference and partner preference. But there are certain things outside of the cultural norm or that are taboo. And we kind of have to recognize that as well. So when we start talking about kissing, there is not a right way, but there are possibly some wrong ways to do this. Yeah, it brings to mind if you saw the movie Jumanji, the remake with The Rock and Jack Black. There's a scene in which they're supposed to be essentially the avatars of these teenage kids. And so these two sort of geeky characters who obviously have don't have a lot of history with any kind of romance try and kiss each other where The Rock, and I, I forget the actress's name, but they're it's super ridiculous. They don't know how to kiss. And they're like, <laughs> it's great that I'm making faces on a podcast where no one can see me, but their tongues yeah, yeah. are all out of their faces and it looks ridiculous. And anyway, let's get into some of the recommendations. <laughs> uh, Healthline recommends being prepared, which is to say specifically that your lips are not dry. I don't know if you ever kissed a piece of crinkly paper, but it's not super great. And when it feels like a, what's a good example? I'm trying to think of like a food that you might put your lips to and it's like really dry when it's not supposed to be phyllo bread oh i would love to kiss some phyllo bread i would absolutely <laughs> do that <laughs> like <laughs> like roti maybe okay. or it's like dry and flaky okay yeah i can see what you're saying there a croissant a croissant a croissant i would also kiss a croissant i'm thinking of when it's not supposed to be <laughs> dry but that's okay oh, okay the other recommendation is that making sure your breath smells good as i said we want to really we want to keep those inferior genes going. Just yeah. totally kidding, by the way. I don't believe they're inferior genes. <laughs> that soundbite is going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everyone thinks I'm a eugenics person now. <laughs> Real big on eugenics, this guy. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. All right. Yeah. So there is a right time and a right place for this, right? So consent, right? Probably not when you're busy. Probably not at work. Probably not in a crowded space that can be a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, you can do it, but it's a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe a stressful area, like maybe not like in the middle of a house fire. Don't kiss somebody. (laughs) Like this seems like the right time and place. House is burning down (laughs) around us. Yeah. We need to get our social security cards. Nope. I need to kiss you. So they also give sort of a, I guess, a task analysis, if you will, of how to do this. And they sort of start with plan, ask, and then begin. And so the plan is begin with something light, a very light peck, a kiss on the hand, start small, essentially. So you want to prepare the kissing event for happening. And you want to 
ask, right? So again, you want to have consent or use body language in a way that can make it clear what you want. But again, I would really stress this idea of gaining consent and being very explicit about that. Yeah. And actually, let's put that in sequence before doing any action. So yeah, there's consent. Then there's the like taking some kind of action once you have consent. And then the recommended begin is or steps, I guess, are you want to be obviously close. You need your mouth to be able to touch them and their mouth probably if you're going to do this. So leaning in, start gentle. You're not trying to break their teeth and keep your mouth relatively relaxed, although try not to drool. (laughs) Yeah. And then the last part here that I have is to use your hands. A lot of people just kind of hold them up in the air, like on (laughs) Talladega Nights. People don't do that. But really, don't overthink it. Go with what's comfortable. So for some people, they like to put their hand on the back of the other person's neck on their back, on their cheek, on the back of their head, on their hips, what's comfortable for you and your partner, that's the strategy to go with. So if it's weird, stop. There's not a right way to do it. It's just preference for you, preference for your partner. Both people are happy. That's what you do. Yeah. And as you go through, one of the things that you start looking at is this idea of paying attention to the other person's body language or your partner's body language. You have to be mindful of kind of if they're starting to pull away or if, you know, just kind of whatever goes on, there can be any number of responses in that that could either lead one way or another. So just start paying attention to that person. And if you're not sure, just maybe consent is a good thing again to obtain in that moment. So slowly guide essentially how you want the kiss to go. So if you want to do closed mouth or open mouth, you want more tongue, less tongue, sort of you model the thing that you want. And if you're not getting reciprocation, then ease back. Try and both do what you want to have happen and provide the experience that you're your kissing partner wants to have happen. You might consider taking breaks, right? A three hour marathon of straight kissing might be a little bit chafing. (laughs) So might consider take breaks. You might also consider making eye contact, maybe not while in the middle of, of kissing, but like maybe if you take those quick breaks, you can kind of maybe open your eyes and make contact and stuff like that too. And then get feedback from your partner, like see how they felt, see if they were okay, see if they wanted something different or if they, if they preferred something that happened and that, and that's a good way to kind of enhance that experience a little bit. And let them know how it went for you. So you're like that part where you were licking inside my nose. I didn't, I didn't really like that. Let's, let's not do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Please don't bite my tongue anymore. (laughs) I want to keep my tongue intact. I have the affliction of having a very small tongue. I feel like that maybe has been an advantage for me kissing. I don't know. That's probably kept you safe, right? Like you haven't had to worry about having it bitten out. Yeah. Or maybe it was bitten out and that's why it's so small. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I tell my daughter she was born with a tail to see if she carries on that story or if she ever will believe it. She's 14 now. So maybe you were born <laughs> with half a tongue and nobody that, told you. Yeah, that could very well be. It's, it's pretty little micro tongue. <laughs> <So. laughs> but I can use it just fine. Thank you. <laughs> Don't assume. Not that you asked. (laughs) I decided to defend myself anyway. You offered that information because you have a silver tongue because you are a podcast host. Yeah. That's where that was going. I'm good. Small, but powerful. (laughs) God, I feel like I'm really setting myself up for failure here. (laughs) Let's just stop talking about my tiny tongue and move on. Let's talk about allergies. Let's talk about allergies. Are you allergic to things, Shane? I am not that I know of. I mean, I think all humans are allergic to stuff, right? Isn't that why food is spicy? Because like it's technically it's an allergic reaction. I actually thought that food was spicy because it was a defensive trait evolved by plants to stop predators from eating them. And humans are just weird and we prefer things that are bitter and spicy, even though we shouldn't. Right. But I think, but yeah. I thought for some reason, like, I guess like the, maybe the reaction is similar to a, an allergic reaction or a type of allergic reaction. 
the way that your your mouth or sensors respond? I don't know. I need to look into this now because I don't know, but I need to know. But there are certain things like peanut allergies and dairy allergies, especially if they're severe enough. It seems like from the research that I found, it's pretty small chance that this will happen. But like, you know, if you've got a mouthful of peanut butter and you go to kiss somebody who has a peanut allergy, maybe don't. Yeah, might be a problem. And they might have an allergic reaction. If you were just licking your cat and you go to kiss someone who has a cat allergy, maybe stop licking your cat. (laughs) Maybe don't lick your cat anyway. I had a friend who was allergic to cats and would rub his face in cats. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. What are you doing? Why would you do that? (laughs) Yeah, that's actually part of why I joined the podcast. I was trying to figure out why he did what he did. (laughs) <laughs> nice well we need to answer that question then explicitly the whole episode just why on does that. tommy rub his face in a cat when he's allergic jeez. <laughs> if i'm allergic to general anesthetic so i don't go making out with people who have general anesthetic in their mouth <laughs> <laughs> no lidocaine for me <laughs> exactly i also found a times union blog which talked about some of the other characteristics of kissing so we have gone through the how-to's and the warnings about allergies and the history a little bit and talked about religion and some of the hypotheses for why we do it. And now we get to the biology piece, which is the most interesting. Yeah. So according to a Times Union blog, one thing that we do talk about with kissing is that it burns 26 calories per minute. So that's not a ton, but it's enough to move the needle a little bit, right? Probably more than just binge watching netflix yeah for the most part i would say yeah which burns negative 26 calories per minute yeah yeah it gains calories (laughs) okay there's a study that i found that showed that there are greater than 277 colonies of bacteria that are exchanged and what that equates to is about 80 million bacteria that are exchanged for every 10 seconds that you're kissing. Although I do feel like at some point you're going to run out of bacteria to exchange. And so I did look fairly deep into this study. This study came out in 2014 and I was looking for follow-up research and I actually didn't see any that explicitly replicated their findings. And they only used 21 people. And what they did is they put yogurt in one person's mouth and then looked for the presence of the yogurt bacteria in the person's mouth that they were kissing. And that was how they got their samples. And I think that's, you know, that's fairly clever to be like, we definitely know which bacteria are here and not before and afterwards. And I also wonder about the people who decided to enroll in the study and the type of yogurt that they used. And, you know, if they were to replicate this just with new couples versus old couples, that sort of thing and figure it out. But anyway, I think the lesson here is that we can definitely conclude from the research. If you're kissing someone from the first time, and they just ate yogurt, they're going to transfer about 80 million bacteria for every 10 seconds of kissing to your mouth. So prepare, I guess, however you would for that. Again, dairy allergy. Just keep keep an eye out. If they're frothing at the mouth with yogurt, then maybe, maybe take a step back. Wait for them to swallow. <laughs> so the average person spends about two weeks of their lives kissing so that's quite a bit of time that's a lot of hours of kissing yeah because you think of like two weeks seems like not a lot of time until you think of doing just kissing non-stop for the entire time and like not even sleeping and then after that you'd be like i can't move my first <laughs> you'd have different health issues at that point in time so not to freak you out but how old did you say your daughter was She's 14. No, she's already okay. had her first kiss. So I <laughs> like she's come out and told me and I and I got so much gray hair from all of it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So, yes, apparently according to a statistic, 50% of people 
admit to having kissed someone before they turned 14 years old. I mean, aside from my family, I don't think that I did. I definitely did. So that's actually, that meets the statistic right there. That meets the rigor of that study. So <laughs> what grade would that be? 14. I think that puts you in. 14 is eighth grade. Okay. Eighth grade. Yeah, you would know. So <laughs> she actually had hers in sixth grade. Oh, then no, never mind. I was, I was younger than 14 also. That's surprise. That seems so young now that we're so old. Believe me, I know. My favorite thing right now is the 90s are coming back. So like, that's a whole style. And I'm like, I grew up with Crystal Pepsi. And people are like, Crystal Pepsi, is blah, blah. it's like a whole thing. Oh, it smells like teen spirit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My daughter told me, I wish I grew up with Nirvana. And I was like, what? But she discovered Joy Division. And I was like, excuse me? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. This, is, this explains why Jurassic Park has got this resurgence going on. Yeah. I guess Star Wars too, right? Uh, well, that was kind of the 80s, though, I think. Yeah, still. I don't know. It's weird. It's it's all weird. I, I can't keep up. So, speaking of weird, in some places, kissing is a crime. <laughs> that was a good segue. <laughs> yeah, you like that? I have my moments. <laughs> so, it's illegal in Indiana for a mustachioed man to, quote, habitually kiss human beings, end quote. So, Tom Selleck cannot habitually kiss human beings, at least when he was alive, to kiss people in Indiana. Is Tom Selleck not alive anymore? Didn't he pass away recently? Oh, I don't know. Are we having a mandala effect moment? Oh man, I don't like that. <laughs> you need to look this up. But I really am curious about both the case that led to this being declared a law, <laughs> as well as how they define habitually. If it's like every day, once a week, for hours at a time, how much mustachio needs to be there in order to be considered a mustachioed man? <laughs> Also, Tom Selleck is alive, just so you know. Oh, whew. Scared me. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Did you know, Shane, that in Hartford, Connecticut, it is illegal for a husband to kiss his wife on Sunday? You know, I would think that that would be the case for maybe Georgia or Alabama. And now Washington, D.C. And now Washington, D.C., the White House in particular. I did not know that, actually. That's way too generous. It's like a Sunday through Saturday rule in Washington, D.C. <laughs> <laughs> I also found a law that said that in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, it is a crime to kiss a stranger. So know who you're kissing. Hmm. Well, that begs the question of, are there other places where it is appropriate to kiss a stranger? Like, is that not assault? Like, are there <laughs> other cities that are like, no, this is fine. I suppose it depends on how you define stranger. If it's like a first date or if you just run up to some rando on the street and what the kiss is like, if it's a kiss on the hand. Or if what about like little kids who like go up and they're like, ma, and they do the thing little kids do where they, they're yeah. not good at kissing. So they just go, ma. Yeah. Does that person get charged? I have a whole litany of questions to provide Cedar Rapids. At Cedar Rapids, there's just a jail cell full of children who are kissing strangers. Yeah. If you're from Cedar Rapids, we need details. Exactly. <laughs> Let us know how this law. I mean, I also want to know about that law that like it's illegal to put an ice cream cone in your back pocket in the summer. So there are laws like that too, but specifically Cedar Rapids, if it's a crime to kiss a stranger. We need the deets. Yeah. And Indiana about mustachioed men and Tom Selleck. Yeah. He's in Michigan right now, apparently. So that's close. That's close to Indiana. <sighs> that's what I'm saying. Maybe he <laughs> was in Indiana and he's like, no, I can't live this life. <laughs> they kicked him out because, or maybe, yeah, he moved out because that. So maybe they kicked him out because of that, but he's a habitual mustachioed kisser. <laughs> so kissing is a low risk activity for STDs. However, you can transmit things like syphilis, herpes, and CMV. So there is still the potential, but it's a fairly low risk compared to other sexually transmitted diseases. Yeah, there was 
concern about being able to be able to transmit AIDS. It looks like there haven't been any real strong documented cases of that happening, but they haven't ruled it out as being impossible. So again, know who you're kissing. That's an excellent point. Know who you're kissing and make sure you have consent. If you ever wondered where the term French kiss comes from, apparently this is a slur for how over-sexualized and promiscuous the French were perceived to be circa the 1920s. And so, you know, in France, they call a French kiss just a handshake. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. It's it's not a handshake. It's not a handshake. No, it's actually called a soul kiss or a tongue kiss. But to the point of it being a slur, that's really interesting. It's funny when you find out, like, what is a slur and what's not a slur. Like, what's a problem in your language that you use all the time? Like, that's it's funny that, like, French kiss was, like, kind of a stereotype. Yeah, this was a completely a super conservative, socially conservative position on like, let's belittle other cultures that differ from ours and how they practice. And also, this not fair because there's not actually any like French weren't even doing anything to suggest that this was uniquely French in any way. They were just perceived as being ultra promiscuous. And so people went after them. But there is really no reason at all to call it a French kiss. (laughs) <laughs> right. Could you imagine like when it came to the French government, like how they responded to that? They're like, oh, come on. <laughs> that was a really bad French accent, by the way. If a kiss with tongue is a French kiss, then pulling a gun on a stranger is an American handshake. Oh, hot takes with Dr. <laughs> Abraham. <laughs> that was good. But a little in my own country. We can take it. So National Kissing Day was started in the UK in 2005 and falls on July 6th. So on July 4th, we get fireworks. On July 6th, we get to kiss everybody. That's right. And I looked at the website to see if this is still going on this year during COVID-19, and there have not been any updates. Because as of last year, they were sort of promoting what this year's National Kissing Day, and it it wasn't updated for anything related to COVID-19. So I'm guessing that it is on temporary hiatus. It sounds like it. I mean, I would hope so right now. Of course, there are a bunch of different muscles in the face that are involved in kissing. I didn't feel like those would be particularly interesting in a psychology podcast. So... And they all have super scientific names and just know that there are a bunch of muscles that move your lips around if you hadn't figured that out by the fact that you could move your lips around. (laughs) Those are there and and those are involved in kissing. But thinking neurologically, there are major chemicals and hormones going on in our brain. Primarily, you see a surge of things like dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and endorphins occurring when kissing happens, which speaks to the sort of social bond thing we mentioned. Yeah, for sure. And so one thing we always like to try to do too is tie it back to kind of maybe some of the behavioral aspects that might be related to kissing or to the topic that we're covering in particular. And so let's go ahead and dig into what might be behaviorally occurring as within this this kissing realm or like, why do we kiss behaviorally? Yeah. And we spoke a bit to this idea of it being sort of a sexual activity and that, from a behaviorist perspective, falls into the category of sort of automatically reinforced or intrinsically reinforcing activity because it is useful for sexual reproduction. And so, therefore, is evolutionary advantageous for things that were related to sexual reproduction to feel good. Sex obviously passes genes along and has a survival advantage for the species. However, I think it is useful to point out that our genes don't really care what form of stimulation the sexual activity takes for it to feel good. So there's a lot of sexual activity that we do that doesn't necessarily result in reproduction, but it nevertheless feels good because it's all in, as far as our biology is prepared to be concerned, 
it is all lumped into the same category of things that are stimulating and are associated with that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, basically our body is set up to make it easy to contact the consequences that are related to sexual health and well-being, like the sexual reproductivity. Like we are designed to make it so that we continually contact that so that we have a higher chance of reproducing. Right. So there's also learning. You know, we talk about learning as a, as a general rule for why behavior change occurs. And so kissing is not inherently part of sex, but culturally becomes part of sex, therefore takes on similarly reinforcing characteristics. So it kind of gets paired up or matched up with different sexual activities. It might even get matched up with things like dating, which could ultimately lead to something like that. So, so there's a lot of kind of learning history that goes along with kissing and that it gets like kind of entangled in that with a lot of other cues that have to do with sex and preferred partners and all that stuff. And as we mentioned, it can, it can represent things symbolically like respect and peace that are in no way relevant to us biologically speaking. And those have to be culturally relevant. And so therefore that has to be that, especially when it's symbolic is entirely a learned thing. And to kind of continue on the idea of like culture and kind of being enmeshed in that, when you start observing cultural icons and treatment toward kissing, you'll see kind of how it influences different practices and experiences that shift and change over time. So, I mean, you could probably see this in movies over decades and watch how people kiss in certain movies compared to now and how that's kind of filmed and how that's portrayed. And that might be what's culturally relevant at that time when the movie was filmed. But you can kind of start seeing that shift towards maybe a different type of kissing topography. You might see that in foreign films, where if you take several films filmed in the same year, but from different cultures, how kissing might be expressed in that culture within that moment. And so there's a lot of different ways to kind of start analyzing this, but a lot of it is maybe something that has to do with observable phenomenon within a particular culture, within a particular, you know, maybe a community where kissing is more important than other communities. I bet there were times in the past where kissing was a lot more real looking in a sense because women probably had fewer ways to advocate for themselves and were forced to make out with these schlubby dudes they didn't want to make out with because they had all the power yeah. in Hollywood in like the 1950s and whatnot. I, I have no evidence to, to that point, but I do think that that very likely could have occurred at least sometimes. Yeah. It's a good thing that doesn't happen in 2020, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sexual harassment has been gone for a long time now. Decades probably. Thank, oh, <laughs> lucky. Thank goodness we crossed that hurdle. So. <laughs> Kidding. We know. We know. <clears throat> no, we, we elect representatives to support that position. <laughs> oh man, more hot takes. Okay. Oh. So uh, kissing can be a significant step on the way toward an intimate relationship. And so you get sort of the basic physical touching, holding hands, that sort of thing. And then past that is often going to be kissing as a next step, but it often precedes other more intensive sexual interactions. And it can kind of signal that you are moving toward a romantic encounter or a long-term relationship. Right. And so on the other side of that coin, though, because we've talked about it not necessarily being exclusively sexual, it can become part of somebody's routine. So it might be something casual. It might be something on the level of handholding. It might be greetings. It might be something that simple. And so when we start talking about kissing, it's important to know that it's not exclusively sexual. It is part of a variety of routines, a variety of greetings, a variety of different social expectations that can range from simple greetings kind pleasantries all the way through more extreme or more involved sexual relationships. Yeah, you're exactly right. This whole 
idea that was you see in common culture, and this is probably going to change following COVID-19 for a good long period of time, but we use physical contact, gestures, closeness, kissing. Humans like to be close with one another, especially in very, very small groups, usually two people. Right. But we like to be close to each other. We like to, to handshake and hug and touch. And these are among a variety of behaviors that we do that develop relationship bonds of trust and support and a feeling of connectedness. And those are all things that are, again, these are sort of part of a cultural thing, a cultural practice. They are learned. And we use and interpret kissing to establish and maintain a relationship as well. And of course, that's not true for everybody. There are people who use it in nefarious ways and and do it just because out of obligation. But there are also the, the ways that we use it that I mentioned before as well. A couple of quick interesting things that I found, as we mentioned in the history of kissing, apparently the Romans actually had names for different types of kisses. So they had a name for a kiss on the cheek was different from a kiss on the lips, which was different from a deep kiss. And so a kiss on the cheek was called an osculum. A kiss on the lips, what Shane and I do is called a basium or a basium maybe. <laughs> yeah, and then yep. a deep kiss, which you should only do with your closest relatives. Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. I was way out there. I don't know. Why. I thought that'd be funny. This is probably something you're only doing with a partner or someone in a brothel is called a savolium. And so those are the three that they had. And then I was curious about this idea of the idiom kiss of death, right? Yeah. This is essentially, if people haven't heard it, this is often used to refer to someone who is, or something that is marked for failure, sometimes inevitably so. And a a common one was when I was in a band back in like college, high school time, mostly college, I guess, that if we played with another band that we didn't think were very good as musicians, if people asked them how they were, we'd often say, oh, they're such nice guys. And that was like, (laughs) that was a kiss of death because you're like, how can I say how bad they were while giving them a compliment? And that's why it was the kiss of death. You know, it was saying something nice to say something mean or critical, I guess. Yeah. Where this idiom comes from isn't entirely clear. There are some who suggest that it came from the Bible, the kiss that Judas gave Jesus before betraying him. Sort of the kiss of death is maybe where that came from. But apparently the term didn't actually come about until the 1940s. And so some people also suggested that it had to do with the mafia when they wanted to off someone, they'd often try and gain their trust. And so they do that, you know, kiss on the cheek, kiss on the hand thing. And that actually marked them for death. Oh, but it was the one of those things where it's like, looks good, but seals your fate. I always like where idioms come from. That's always an interesting, right? That kind of story. So now we know where French kisses come from. Now we know where the kiss of death might come from. We've learned a lot today. Yeah, I've learned pretty much everything there is to know about kissing. Yeah, so you're welcome, folks. Yeah, you now have a degree in philematology and how- <laughs> from the University of Why We Do What We Do. The best part of this is that we made it through without making a lot of like lip-smacking sounds, so we got through it without like having to upset our misophonia people. I thought about making one just now, but I decided not to. I appreciate you. <laughs> All right, so do you have any other take-home points to wrap up here? Honestly, I think that we covered it. I mean, I think the main thing here is that we... You know, when we start talking about kissing, it is something that is kind of this really commonplace cultural phenomenon that occurs, and there might be multiple reasons why we do it. Not all of them are sexual. So as you start kind of maybe conceptualizing the idea of kissing, you have to kind of take into account like there are a lot of different variables that contribute to it. Awesome. I do think I would love to highlight as a major point here that Shane and I only kiss as friends. 
And <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I just, primary I wanted, take home point. I wanted to keep bringing it back. No. <laughs> <laughs> really, the, the major point here I think that's relevant is this whole idea of where it came from. This like mastication thing doesn't seem to be very well supported. And that's related to the other take home that I would love to make that I'm going to make. So I love that I'm going to make it, which is <laughs> that there is something intrinsic about it, which seems to be that we enjoy it. But pretty much everything else about it is learned, like how we do it, why we do it, when we do it, the symbology of it, symbolism, I should say, that is all cultural. It is all learned. It is all not something that our genes care about or can program for explicitly. I think that's a great way to end that. I think that's perfect. Do you have some things to recommend? Yes, I do. So time for recommendations? Yes, sir. Recommendations. So my recommendation this week is an author named Tom Robbins. Abraham, have you ever read anything by Tom Robbins? Is he related in any way to Baskin? <laughs> no, I haven't read anything by Tom Robbins. <laughs> Carol Baskin. I'm sorry. I, why do I keep going to Carol Baskin? I'm thinking I'm getting back to Tiger King. I can't I can't go down that path again. That, that was that was a dark hole for me. <laughs> and yet you recommended it on the show. I did. Well, it was a dark hole in that it was an obsession more than anything else. Got it. So Tom Robbins is an American author. He's got several books out. What, his most famous book that he's written is called Still Life with Woodpecker. But one of the cool things that he's done is like, I really love his language. He's incredibly satirical. Like he's just over the top satirical. And I always recommend him. He's actually one of my top four authors. I actually have his name tattooed on me. Wow. Yeah, I know. I have him, Vonnegut, Bredesen Ellis, and Charles Bukowski tattooed on me. Yeah, you definitely are a fan of... Uh... Snarky white guys? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, so Tom Robbins is a little bit more like like Vonnegut is is my favorite, but Tom Robbins is up there. And and one of the things he does is he 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 does this really great job of using really colorful language to describe these concepts and these themes and these stories. And, and his stories are really ridiculous. So I recommend to everybody if you do pick up a Tom Robbins book, Fierce Invalids Home from Hot Climates is one of my favorites, but. Another Roadside Attraction is a good place to start. It was his first book, and it was about a man who stole Jesus Christ's body from the Vatican and tried to put it on display in a roadside hot dog stand slash flea circus. I feel like you actually recommended that book specifically at some point, because it just sounds familiar. I don't know. I've probably talked about it. <laughs> I've probably talked about it before, but but right now I'm reading uh, Half Asleep in Frog Pajamas, and I'm really digging it, so it's really interesting. We've given enough recommendations that we're starting to repeat ourselves. And that's perfectly okay. There's only only 10 things in this world that we like, so. <laughs> we have very rigid preferences. Yeah. I find myself in the maybe unfortunate but still enjoyable position of recommending yet another Amazon Prime show called Upload, which comes from creator Greg Daniels, who is part of the U.S. version of The Office and Parks and Recreation, I think. And the idea of Upload is that people, when they die, can instead be uploaded to a sort of virtual reality thing. Their consciousness is extracted from their body and they become like a digital form. Okay. So it's sort of an afterlife thing and it does seem related to The Good Place, which was created by Michael Schur, who worked with Greg Daniels on The Office. So it's like maybe they were imitating or there was some similar shared ideas, but it's actually pretty different from The Good Place in several ways. And it, it definitely is a much more... R-rated version of that, as well as I think it has a lot of sort of social commentary to make, especially on things like classism and capitalism. And I found myself getting really engaged with it really quickly. 
And so I would highly recommend people check it out. I thought it was really fun. I love stuff like that. So I am into it. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got Amazon Prime, you have access to upload the show. And it's it's only one season right now. Most of the episodes are only 25 minutes long. The first one's like an hour, but the rest of them are pretty short. And I think there's only 10 episodes. I will say it ends on a super cliffhanger with like, it doesn't feel like an ending at all. It's like the episode just ends and you're like, wait, what? what's next? And yeah, what's going on? Yeah. I know they've been renewed for another season. So next year, I guess, but okay, good. it, it was good. So I recommend it. All right. Do you have anything else on kissing? Nope. I think I'm done kissing today. Okay, perfect. All right, well then, if you would love to learn more about kissing, then maybe go out and find someone who will consensually kiss you back. You can certainly find out more about this in the show notes and by going to our website. And if you would like to tell us stories about kissing or tell us how we got something wrong, or if you are from Indiana or Connecticut, <laughs> then we'd love to, <laughs> to hear your take on some of these things. Was that the other one? I feel like there was another state that I missed. Uh, Cedar Rapids, too. Yeah, thank you. We would love to hear about those. If you'd like to share anything else with us, tell us how you found out about us, suggest a topic for the future, or anything else, you can always email us at info at WWD, WWD podcast. That's also our handle on all the social media platforms where you can reach out to us and you will talk to someone who is on this team and not a bot because we don't have any of those. We don't believe in bots. We don't believe in bots. They're not, they're imaginary. They made up. So <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I think that's all we have. Thank you so much for recording with me today, Shane. Thank you for listening. And I think we're out. Yeah. Yep. I think we're good. Perfect. This is Abraham. It is Shane. We're out. See ya. You've been listening to why we do what we do. Why we do what we do is supported in part by our amazing patrons. Thank you. If you like what you heard, consider becoming a patron by heading to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts or share this episode with your friends. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at WWD podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.wwdpodcast.com. There you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is researched and produced by Abraham, Ryan O, Shane, and Miranda. Artwork and logo designed by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brassier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day. <laughs>